Welcome to Head & Neck Innovations, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals exploring the latest innovations, discoveries, and surgical advances in otolaryngology head and neck surgery. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Head & Neck Innovations. I'm your host, Paul Bryson, director of the Cleveland Clinic Voice Center. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul C. Bryson, and you can get the latest updates from Cleveland Clinic otolaryngology head and neck surgery by following at CLE Clinic HNI on Twitter. That's CLE Clinic HNI. New this year, find us on LinkedIn at Cleveland Clinic otolaryngology head and neck surgery and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic otolaryngology. Today, I'm excited to speak with Dr. Todd Coy, Section Head of Dentistry and Oral Surgery in our Head & Neck Institute. Dr. Coy, welcome to Head & Neck Innovations. Thanks for having me. Let's start by having you share some background on yourself for our listeners, where you're from, where you trained, and how you came to Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm an Ohio native, and uh, I moved to Cleveland uh, in the 90s after undergrad and actually worked in a medical research lab for, uh, for the VA hospital. As I kind of moved through that, I was interested in dentistry and applied a number of dental schools. Case Western Reserve is where I ended up going and training. It was a great experience. And as I came to the end of you know, the, the program, a classmate told me about a residency program at Cleveland Clinic, which I applied for and, and uh, fortunately was selected to, to come. It was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. It turned into not only a training program in residency, but, uh, but a long-term career. That's great. And, you know, and I, I, I have a, another old friend who also did a residency after dental school. Can you tell the listener some of the, you know, maybe some of the value of that? Because it's not always a path that graduates take after dental school. What were some of the highlights and advantages that, that you got to experience as a part of your residency program? Yeah, for sure. Dental residency is not a requirement, so you can finish dental school and and be licensed and go into private practice. And some people certainly do that and have great experiences. For those who maybe have a, a special interest in a particular specialty, they there are specialty training programs that are dedicated to those those uh, special specialties. Or if you have an interest in hospital-related dentistry for some of the complex medical patients and, and certain you know, comorbidities that you may not have had as much exposure to in dental school, uh, hospital residency is a great way to get comfort with some of the complex procedures beyond what you learned in dental school and uh, a level of proficiency at, at just understanding a little more about their medical history, history, medications, and how those might play a role in, in what you're doing. Yeah, so much complexity. I, and we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that, but I, I know it, it seems almost like a way to really not only round out your training and add complexity to it, but you take care of complex patients, patients that may not have routine access to a dental care, but then really benefited as a part of their multi-specialty care for another health issue. Absolutely, absolutely. We take care of a number of patients as they prepare for organ transplants, um, cardiac valve surgeries, head and neck cancer, and and a whole number of of conditions that really lend themselves to a, a sort of collaborative nature of you know helping this patient through this care path. Yeah, so many things that that families and patients may not think about as they're approaching a particular medical problem, but it it's really critical. I I you know commend you on the work with the transplant team and with the cardiac program. 
And, you know, I, I wanted to highlight, too, there, there may be some listeners who may not have awareness of the dental program at the Cleveland Clinic. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your team's program, some of the offerings, and, you know, you mentioned some of the collaborations. Do you want to just expand upon the program that uh, you have built here? Sure. So, so interestingly, I, I just learned yesterday after talking with uh, one of the, the archivists at the Cleveland Clinic that the first dentist was in 1922, just a year or so after the, the Cleveland Clinic was founded. And the dental program, you know, was, was maintained and very small for a number of years and really started to expand then in the 80s. And at this point now, we've got um, about 10 professional staff and, and I think a total group of about 30 who provide, you know, comprehensive, full-scope dental care. We have general dentists who provide, you know, that sort of general care. That's limited to Cleveland Clinic employees and retirees. But then we have specialists like, you know, periodontists, oral surgeons that provide that specialty care on a referral basis from, you know, within the hospital or community. Um, and then we've got uh, as well some dentists who who focus on TMJ problems, and then a colleague and I focus on sleep issues. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about improvements in treating sleep apnea. You know, as you know, um, patients uh, sometimes come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, and not all sleep apnea is the same. And you know, perhaps I'm, I'm wrong, but a lot of people aren't as fired up about getting positive pressure ventilation for their sleep apnea if they can avoid it. Can you speak about some of the treatments and some of the assessments that you do for sleep apnea as, you know, sometimes very excellent options for sleep health and hygiene? Definitely. You know, CPAP is, it remains the gold standard. It's an amazing treatment, highly effective, all those things. But admittedly, a lot of people have trouble tolerating it or, or maybe have you know, quite mild sleep apnea and can you know, adequately treat it with other options. And so, so we've been fortunate to become part of the, of the team and can treat some of these sleep apnea patients with mandibular advancement devices. So we would have them come as a referral after diagnosis of sleep apnea from their medical provider. And, and evaluate them for whether or not they're a, a candidate. So we look at overall stability of the remaining dentition. We look at, you know, if they have a proper range of motion of the jaw, so those, those sorts of assessments. And then um, if that all looks appropriate, then um, make a mandibular advancement device, which essentially holds the mandible forward. And that, that forward motion opens up the airway. And for a good portion of people, that can really lower the, the, you know, the, the severity or, or you know, manage the, the sleep apnea. Yeah, no, that's great. It's a nice option for some patients. And I think, I think there's a, often an interest from patients, you know, what else can I explore? What else can... What else can we do if, you know, I'm not, you know, jazzed up about positive pressure, if I can avoid it? You know, and I guess, you know, finally, what other surgical options are there? I know, you know, as surgeons and uh, providers, we, you know, there's sort of a ladder of rehabilitation for, for sleep apnea. Are there any other uh, surgical procedures that uh, you and the team uh, perform for, you know, maybe some of the more severe types of sleep apnea? Yeah. So, you know, we have we have actually developed a, a section of sleep apnea alternatives, you know, to PAP therapy. And those include not only these oral appliances, but also surgical options. So we've got 
soft tissue surgery like UPPP and, uh, and then you know, bony surgery like orthognathic surgery, and then as well um, hypoglossal nerve stipula- uh, stimulation like Inspire. And so you know, we have a group of you know, otolaryngologists and oral surgeons uh, and, and as well as you know, kind of collaborative you know, back and forth with sleep medicine. And, and as a group, we really can provide a lot of great options, surgical and otherwise. Great, you know. So, if I'm a primary care uh, provider or somebody in the region who is interested in these services for a patient, you know, what can as a provider that might refer in to you and the team, what can one expect with regards to you know plan of care, patient experience in terms of who they're meeting with, what does the appointment entail? You know, just you know briefly, if you can walk uh, walk us through that. Sure. So. You know, with a variety of, you know, screening tools, overall sleep apnea risk can be assessed and, and then usually followed up with a, a sleep study I mean, to, con- to confirm the diagnosis. And, and once that's uh, in place, then a referral can be placed to, to me or one of my colleagues. And we would start with a consultation and explain the process to the patient, how it works, you know, what it looks like. And... As we move through that process, we would set up uh, a time to make impressions or molds of the of the teeth, and then we'd we'd work with a, a laboratory that that fabricates any number of devices, and there are you know over a hundred little varieties of these these oral appliances, but we would then start them in use and and some patients actually just need to stabilize the jaw. It doesn't have to go terribly far forward at all. It could be just just stabilizing the jaw in a neutral position, and that might be enough to to help keep the airway open. As the process goes on, over a month or two, we assess the patient's symptoms, mostly subjectively, and may, in smaller increments, move the mandible further and further forward until their symptoms uh, are reported as resolved. And then we refer back to, or you send them back to the referring physician or medical provider to confirm basically that that the appliance is being effective and usually that's again with a repeat sleep sleep study while wearing the appliance and find out exactly you know what what more objectively is is being done with it yeah no i appreciate that it it sounds like it's you know once you get in the process goes and you know you you're you kind of see what works and maybe what doesn't. Does a sleep study have to be performed in our sleep laboratory or can a patient with a referral come with their sleep study so that you're able to look at it and kind of yeah, they can. Co- yep, they can absolutely come. You know, with a, a sleep study from anywhere else that they've had done, and and we can work with providers within the Cleveland Clinic or outside. It, you know, happy to 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 coordinate. You know, either of those pathways. That's great. You know, as we kind of wrap up. I was hoping for some final take-home messages, but I also wanted to, you know, let the listener know that it seems like you're overseeing a period of growth for the group. Um, I've heard that there's going to be increased capacity at our main campus uh, for patients and, and possibly in the region in the future, and that there there's actually uh, some great employment opportunities to grow uh, your team. And can you elaborate on that as we wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a really exciting time to you know to be part of dentistry and oral surgery here. 
We are expanding our footprint at the main campus with additional treatment rooms, and therefore, you know, we'll be able to, to, to see and treat even more patients. And then, you know, the, the need and demand for our services has fortunately increased such that, that um, we think it's time for us to have some regional presence. And so we've looked at a few sites, actually, you know, east side, west side in Cleveland initially here to expand what we can offer, you know, outside of main campus and make it easier for patients to, you know, to travel to those sites closer to their homes. So it's an exciting time, lots of growth happening. So we feel fortunate. Well, that's great. I, I look forward to seeing where the group goes and it, it's already a great group. So congratulations and really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For more information on sleep apnea treatment options at Cleveland Clinic, please visit clevelandclinic.org sleepapnea. And to connect directly with our section of dentistry and oral surgery, visit clevelandclinic.org dentistry or call 216-444-6907. That's 216-444-6907. Dr. Coy, thanks for joining Head & Neck Innovations. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Head & Neck Innovations. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website at clevelandclinic.org forward slash podcasts. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic experts in otolaryngology, head and neck surgery on our Consult QD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org forward slash head and neck. Thank you for listening and join us again next time.